0: Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, Steve Deal concludes his amazing story of God's grace and mercy. And Pastor Larry Spargimino will share an important update on the school that so many of you support in Pakistan. As we begin our time together today, I want to encourage you to visit the Resource Center on our website, SWRC.com. There, you'll find over 1,000 books and DVDs by the nation's top teachers. Bible prophecy, biblical mysteries, and the latest archaeology and apologetics are all found at SWRC.com. That's SWRC.com. The latest resources from Billy Crone, Lonnie Shipman, Micah Van Hus, and Josh Davis are all found at SWRC.com and available for the very first time the entire Columbus, Ohio Prophecy Conference. All 12 speakers, 20 total presentations, one complete DVD set. Topics include Secret Societies, The Invisible War on the Saints, Jewish Roots of Christianity, The Earth as it Was, Unveiling the Antichrist, One World Update, and much, much more. And included in this complete set is Jonathan Kahn's presentation on the Josiah Manifesto. Order the complete Columbus Conference DVD set today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order on our website, swrc.com. Now, here's today's host, Ministry President, Dr. Kenneth Hill.
1: Welcome, my friend, to this portion of the Watchman on the Wall broadcast. My name is Kenneth Hill. I'm president of Southwest Radio Church Ministries, and it's my pleasure to be with you today. The third of three programs concerning the book Echoes of War, Whispers of Faith, my Vietnam memoir by missionary Steve Deal. And I am sure that if you will get a copy of this book and take time to read it, it's not a long book. It's not going to take all your uh, week to read it, but you'll take the time to read it. You will be blessed by what you learn. You'll be blessed by what you're told, and God will place within your heart a desire to serve him in ways that you've never served him before. And you're going to be learning a lot from the book, Echoes of War, Whispers of Faith, by Steve Deal. And Steve has been a friend of mine for, well, close to 40 years, if not more. And I have enjoyed getting to know he and his family, and I have appreciated having he and his family pray for me. I've gone through a number of things that I needed prayer about. And they were faithful in praying for me. And I have tried to be faithful in praying for them. One of the times that I remember praying for you, Steve, in ways that I've not always prayed for you about, was when you were arrested in Vietnam. And they were accusing you of high crimes and misdemeanors. They talked about you being a uh, a traitor their cause. They wanted to treat you as if you were a CIA operative or a spy of some sort. Have I misstated the
2: facts? No, that's basically it, Ken.
1: (laughs) Well, when was this,
2: and how long were you in their custody? Well, what happened, Ken, was I had started teaching in the underground churches in Vietnam and the underground church movement, I had been teaching there, going back and forth from the Philippines and teaching in the underground churches there from the early 90s, well, 92 to, it was 96 I was arrested. I had taught for about four years there. Off and on, going back in from the Philippines to Vietnam, you couldn't go over there and stay on any kind of visa. So I went as a visitor and would teach, I taught in safe houses, I would teach I would go there before the sun come up about 4.30 in the morning. And sometimes it would just be two pastors. Sometimes it would be 30 pastors or church workers. Most of the pastors, uh, when we first started teaching there, you couldn't get Bibles. And there wasn't many pastors. They were just remnants of the churches that my friend, a missionary friend who had worked there for 14 years, his name is Walter, before Saigon fell, he had planted 28 house churches. So we were working with the remnants there. In the underground church there in the Trang, the same town where I had been a soldier back in 1969, and so I was so excited about that. Well, while I was teaching there, now I I was supposed to after I taught there, I was going to ride that bus another 12 hours to get to Hoi An, which was just 25 clicks south of Da Nang in this old city. So I was supposed to travel there after I got through teaching in a train where I had been stationed as a soldier. So while I was there, I taught them, and there's a picture in the book of that group. I blacked their eyes out. I just put a little thing over their eyes so nobody would recognize them. But the picture, I didn't take the picture. Somebody took that picture that was in the group and they gave it to me because I didn't develop any pictures while I was there. I thought it would be foolish to try to take pictures of me with a group and develop them, so I didn't develop it. But I did something incredibly foolish I mean, it was, imbe- I cannot believe I. I thought I was a whole lot smarter than this, but I did something incredibly foolish. After I finished teaching them one evening, I, I taught from sunup to sundown, but we finished early one, one day, and I left the room, and I rented a little motorcycle. It was probably four o'clock in the afternoon or five, and I rented a little motorcycle, and I drove out to the air base where I had been stationed back in 1969 as a soldier. So I wanted to go out and see this air base. You got to imagine, this is a beautiful town, beautiful. It's a right on the beach, crystal clear water, white, pristine beaches, beautiful beaches there, right off at of the end of the runway. We would fly over the end of the runway and see the beaches, and we would go, you know, swimming there as soldiers. But while I was there, teaching in the underground church in 1996, I went out and drove that motorcycle out in front of the front gate, but it's owned by the communists now. It's a communist base. They got airplanes, there they just took over everything. It's theirs and everything on it's theirs now, but I wanted to see where I had spent a year of my life or most biggest part of a year of my life and where I was a crew chief and the hangar and, and I wanted to see. So I drove around to the back of the base and there was a big hole in the wall there. I don't know, it looked like maybe a mortar hit it and they never repaired it. So I did something incredibly foolish I drove that little motorbike in through that hole in the wall inside that communist airbase, and I parked behind a, a bunch of pallets. We used to call them beer pallets, but it was a, a stacked about eight feet high, a bunch of pallets. I peered around from behind the pallets, and I saw I saw the soldiers marching, these Vietnamese, North Vietnamese soldiers marching. I looked. There was a hangar where I used to work. There was the bunkers where we used to hide from the incoming mortar rounds, And there was our helicopters with their red star on it. And man, I couldn't believe it. I said, I can't believe. And I did something even more incredibly foolish. I reached in my bag I had. I had a little backpack with me. And I took out a camera. This was back before digital. I had had a 36 roll of film in it. And I had just uh, taken a couple pictures in Saigon. So it had almost a row, a whole row. And I started taking pictures of their flight line. Of their soldiers marching, of the bunkers, of the hangars, of their helicopters. And I took all of that and I put it back in my bag. I got on the motorcycle and I left. And I don't think anybody ever was the wiser. I don't think anybody saw me. And I left. Well, the next morning, I got on the bus. I go another 12 hours. I get to the town and we get there at nine o'clock at night. Oh, it was so, it was, I was so tired. And at nine o'clock at night, I had left my passport. In if this is this is another foolish thing I did, I left my passport in Saigon in the hotel safe. I only had a Xerox copy of it, but I had sweated in that bus because the bus was an aircon air conditioned, and I had sweated I was soaking wet and it it went through my wallet and everything, got my, my billfold, and it got my papers wet. You could barely read it, you could barely see my name on it, so when I went to the check-in, the little hotel where we were supposed to be staying, that night when we first got there, when I first got there, they said, uh, and I was the only American, no, I was the only American there at all, they uh, wouldn't let me check in. And I said, wait, I need, a, I need a room for the night. I've been traveling all day. I need to rest. I got to have a room. And she said, Bosport, Bossport, that's the way they pronounce it, Bossport. And I said, I don't have my Bossport. I said, I've got What I have, though, is a Xerox copy. She said, we need your passport, your passport, they call it. And I said, I don't have it. And I said, I have this, and I showed it to her. I had to carefully unfold it because it was wet and it was torn. And I showed it to her, and she said, this is no passport, no passport. And I said, I've got to have her. I'm so tired. I said, if you don't give me a room, I'm going to go up there and find the door open and just lay down in bed somewhere. And finally, she gave me a key, but about 2 o'clock in the morning, the police came and Checked it, Bosport, Bosport, and I said I don't have a Bosport, and so they finally left me alone. And then that morning, I left, I left the uh, hotel, and I was supposed to go across the road. It was a dirt road, and there was a little open air coffee shop there, not what you think of like Starbucks or something. It's just a little open air place with the little chairs and tables there. And so I sat down, and then this guy came up to me and sat down. He knew who I was. And he said, Mr. Deal. And I said, yes. And we had a password. And he told me the password. So I knew it was my contact. I'd never seen him before. And he said, in about five minutes, there's going to be a, a motorcycle come by. You jump on a motorcycle, and it'll take you to the safe house. I said, uh, are they all here? And he said, yes, but they feel uncomfortable. I said, if they're uncomfortable, I don't want to teach them. I, I don't want to risk put them at any risk at all. He said, no, you come here, you teach us. You." just come in here. We wanted you to teach us. So I said, okay. So uh, I jumped. the motorcycle came. I, I'm assuming that was him. I jumped on the back of it, and then off we go. I didn't know the driver. He wouldn't speak in any English. And he, we zipped through the back streets of the little Hoi An town. We get to the little cafe again. Then we go up back steps, and then we go into this room. And it was a, probably four rooms and a whole hotel is all it was. It was a little wooden thing. It was all wood, wooden floors and everything. And we got in the room, and there was 15 Vietnamese believers there and me, my interpreter, who had got there before I did. I didn't notice this, but over the window, like I said, you're my age or close to it, there was a window light over the door where you crank, you make a crank, and it opens up to get ventilation in the room because there's no air conditioning and no fans in the room, and it's about 112 degrees, you know. I didn't notice, but it was open. And so I started teaching. After we had prayer, and they had they had their copies of Firm Foundations: Creation of Christ, where we start teaching in the beginning. And some of them I had taught before. There was a lady sitting on the bed. There was fifteen in there. There was probably ten or eleven men and four ladies. One lady that I had taught. Her husband had been buried alive in 1975. For his only crime was he was a pastor. When the North Vietnamese took over Saigon, he was buried alive, and his wife and son, who actually is one. Is a pastor, my daughter today, and he was there or she was there, and so we were sitting there. So I, there were a few faces I recognized. I didn't know their names. I couldn't pronounce their name if I had to. We were sitting there. I had to, about a hundred and five pictures because I teach using these visuals, like I teach children, teaching from creation to, to Christ. You know, is where it went. So we we started there through my interpreter. I was I said. Uh, I could be teaching you anything here, and we wouldn't have to hide. I could be teaching you history or science or math, and we wouldn't have to hide, but I'm teaching you the Word of God. And I said, "Communists fear this book. I was talking like, then I got real excited. I got a little bit louder, and I kept teaching. And little did I know, but there was 12 policemen standing outside that door. We haven't been there 30 minutes, and there was 12 policemen standing outside that door. There was four different agencies. They had like the we call them NBI here. I don't know what they call them, kind of like the FBI. They had the immigration. They had the local police and some other guys with them. And they were standing outside the door waiting, I guess, to hear what I'm saying. The sun just had started coming up. And so I was just getting started my teaching. And then I heard us... Now, Being, a, I'm a former policeman. I've been a policeman for 10 years. And I've got a big number 13 foot. And I like to kick a door open on working in narcs for a while. And undercover, and I love to go in a bus and kick the door open and catch them in the act. That just, it's just such a, I don't know, it's so much fun for me. If you're a policeman, you'd understand that, or a detective. So we just kick the door open. But normally, and even when a policeman goes to a door, or a police officer, you knock hard, let them know that there's somebody with authority at the door. But these policemen didn't do that. They barely tapped on that door. They just quietly tapped on that door. And I was teaching, and I would say, wait, wait, stop. And I would say, did y'all hear something? No boster, no boster. You go on. You continue. And I said, wait, uh, okay. So I start again, and then I hear another little knock. And I thought, oh, somebody's come late. That's, that's the first thing that entered our mind was somebody who was invited came there late. So I, I asked one of them to get up and open the door. So when they got up to open the door, we didn't close our Bibles. I've got my Bible open. They've got all their Bibles open that I had given them. They've got the story of hope open. I've got the guy holding 105 pictures there, showing pictures of creation and everything. And then he opens the door, and the policemen rush in. And my goodness, my heart dropped to my ankles. I just couldn't believe what was that. I'd never, they, they have experienced this many times. I haven't. That was the first time it ever happened to me. And I looked at the woman whose husband was had been buried alive, and she was praying. And I thought, man, I'm glad she's praying for, for us. 'Cause I really need somebody praying for us now. Nobody knew where we was at. Nobody. Even Walter in the Philippines didn't know where he was at. Only God knew where we was at. My wife didn't know where we were at. We nobody knew that we went to this particular place. It was only found out that morning or the night before where they had, had got this room ready. I didn't want to get them in trouble and they kept saying, Where did you meet them? How did you know them? What were you you know and, and I I was trying to protect them as best I could but I didn't want to get them in trouble. I didn't realize how much trouble I was in because we didn't know what was going on. Anyway, I don't want to tell you the whole book or you won't even read it, but that's basically what happened. The underlining factor was when they got me to the police headquarters, they kept saying that I was CIA. And I said, I am not CIA. I'm just a tourist visiting your beautiful country. And then they had already searched me before, but they didn't find a couple things I was hiding on me. The interrogator had two policemen come in the room, and they started searching all my bags and they searched my backpack and they found my camera. And then when they took the camera out, I'm thinking, What did I what what did I take a picture of? And then I realized, oh goodness, I took a picture of inside their airbase down in the train and I went, Oh goodness, they can't see those pictures. They cannot find those pictures. So I said I saw they were having trouble with a camera, and I said, oh, it's got a problem, let me help you, and I said, Lord, please help me expose this. My thought was to get that little door open, and some people won't know what I'm talking about who are younger, it'd have to be older people know, you have to open the little door in the back, you have to push a button, open the little door. The film was right at the end, but it hadn't been rewound, and so what I was going to do was grab the film and just pull it as far as I could and expose as much of it to the daylight as I could so they couldn't see the picture. But as soon as I did that, they saw what I was doing, and they two policemen jumped on me and took the camera away from me. I said, "Wait, wait!" They, they were just trying to get it wound, and I said, "Let me have it. Let me just show you." You got and I didn't push the button, so it, the teeth tore up the, would tear up the film, and they saw again what I was doing, so they took it away from me and they took it to a camera shop, and then I'm sitting there with the interrogator who was a captain on the North Vietnamese Army, and he served. He fought there in Vietnam while I was there. He was older than me, and he kept saying, you're CIA. So they bring these pictures back in, 8 by 10. They printed all these pictures, and he said, Mr. Deal, you say you're not CIA? Well, then what were these pictures doing in your camera? And he starts laying them down, and I have never – I said, Lord, if they see those pictures, I'm dead. And so when they started laying those pictures down on the table, I knew I was the goner. I said, I can't. They already accused me of being a CIA. Now I've got pictures in my camera because that was a beachfront. Why didn't I? He said, you didn't have any pictures of the beach or the bathing suits or girls on the beach or even you on the beach. You got no beach pictures at all. What you got is pictures inside our airbase down in the train. It didn't turn out well. So anyway, that's the story. You can read it. I did get out alive, by the way.
1: I notice we've got the history of the fact that you made it out because you're with us. But one of the things that I thought during that time, because as you know, my wife and my family and I were praying for you while you were in this. We didn't know where you were. We didn't know what was going on, but we did know you were in trouble. We were praying for you. The way that God brought you through that is outlined in the book. You've got a lot of information in there that I think will be beneficial when anybody wants to know how God works, and they can certainly see that in your situation. We're talking with Steve Deal. The book is Echoes of War, Whispers of Faith. It's his Vietnam memoir, and it's available through our offices. You can call us at 1-800-652-1144 to purchase the book, or you can go online to our website, swrc.com. Steve, thank you for being with us for these three days.
2: Thanks, Ken. If anybody would like to be in touch or know about our ministry, our website, they got everything you need to know at our website, is redemptionranch.org, all lowercase, redemption ranch no spaces, dot org. Thank you so much for having me. God
0: bless
2: you, my friend.
0: The complete three-day conversation with Steve Deal is now available on CD. Order your copy today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. And let me encourage you to also pick up a copy of the brand new book by Steve Deal, Echoes of War, Whispers of Faith, My Vietnam Memoir. This amazing story of God's mercy and grace spans the course of half a century. The story begins with a reckless young soldier in the Vietnam War. Twenty-two years later, he returns as a missionary to the underground church, only to be arrested as a suspected CIA operative by the communist authorities. After nearly two weeks of interrogation and detainment, he was expelled and blacklisted. The authorities warned if he ever returned to Vietnam, he would be imprisoned. However, 14 years later, he received a call from the U.S. Embassy in Saigon. Someone had been searching for him for four decades. Echoes of War, Whispers of Faith will encourage your faith and truly warm your heart. Order your copy of Echoes of War, Whispers of Faith, when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can also order on our website, swrc.com. This book makes an excellent gift for a family member or friend. Echoes of War, Whispers of Faith by Steve Deal. 1-800-652-1144. Pastor Larry Spargemino is ready to share the latest on the outreach in Pakistan and on the Christian school that many of you support. Pastor
3: Victor Samuel from Pakistan is on the phone with me. He's the pastor of Grace Bible Church and also the headmaster of Grace Charity School. And friends, you know, I do preach on Zoom at their Friday evening service. Last week, we had two women and a young man come forward to receive Christ. If you would like to join us in our bilingual service on fridays please send me an email i'll give you the zoom contact information larry at swrc.com we meet on fridays 8 a.m central time on today's show we're going to visit with pastor victor samuel we've been working together for about 15 years pastor victor so nice to have you on our pakistan update hello
4: pastor larry and everybody who are listening God bless you. It's good to be with you guys as well.
3: Well, let's talk about a couple of really important issues. Uh, Let's talk about the regular monthly salaries of uh, staff members of the schools. A lot of them have not been paid.
4: Yes, it's been really very rough and uh, we've been short of funds in our Pakistani account there. It's been really very challenging to pay the staff members due to the lack of funds.
3: Yes. Yes, it's been very difficult raising funds. Tell us about the pressure that the police are putting on you to finish the campus.
4: Started uh, a new campus for more children to come in to study. Fortunately, we've been able to uh, build one one story and then also the the walls on the second story of the campus. But unfortunately, we had to stop the work because we didn't have funds. So the police people have been. uh, We reported the police, and uh, they have been saying we must finish the work. We must put barbed wires and install the cameras, and also the also we must put the main gate there. Yes. We start the work and put the security guard there, but unfortunately, since we don't have funds, and to complete the work, we've been praying for a long time. Police just keep on. Putting a pressure on me yes. that we must uh, finish this soon, so that you know not uh, everybody get harmed from
3: yes. these
4: evil people.
3: Right. I know you've received calls from the police in the nighttime, and I know your wife is very upset about it. I could imagine. <laughs> and and we've we've had very good relationship with the police, and uh, they've been very kind and. You know, we certainly want to pray for security. We want to pray for the children. We want to pray for safety for the staff members. Well, friends, there are several ways that you can send your gift to the uh, Pakistan ministry. You can call our toll-free number and make a credit card donation, 1-800-652-1144. Or you can mail your donation to Southwest Radio Church of the Air 3620 Highway 390, Bluff City, Tennessee, 37618. That's 3620 Highway 390, Bluff City, Tennessee, 37618. If you would like further information about the ministry in Pakistan, send me an email at larry at swrc.com. You know, Victor, it's so wonderful to think that the kids are learning, reading, writing, arithmetic, the skills that they need to be productive citizens of Pakistan, but they also learn about the true and living God who loves them and sent his son to die for their sins. And so, friends, if you can help us in any way, no matter what the size of the gift, we certainly appreciate it. And I know Pastor Victor and the kids and the teachers at Grace Charity School will appreciate it very, very much. You are doing a wonderful, wonderful work. So friends, if you can help in any way, if you'd like information, just give me a call, 1-800-652-1144, or write me an
0: email, larry at swrc.com. Today in our resource spotlight, we are featuring the brand new book by Steve Deal, Echoes of War, Whispers of Faith. Echoes of War, Whispers of Faith will encourage you and truly warm your heart. Order your copy of Echoes of War, Whispers of Faith today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can always order online, swrc.com. This book makes an excellent gift for a family member or friend who needs to be reminded of God's faithfulness and love. Echoes of War, Whispers of Faith by Steve Deal. 1-800-652-1144. Lord willing, we'll be back here Monday ready to once again bring clarity to the chaos. Head into the weekend with the encouragement that God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners just like you. Please visit our website swrc.com that's swrc.com